This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. Deep Color is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The New York Studio School offers a range of programs, including internationally recognized drawing marathons, evening and Saturday classes, and a distinguished lecture series that is free and open to the public. Artists of all levels and experience are invited to join upcoming evening and Saturday classes. Visit nyss.org to view descriptions of upcoming courses and enroll online to become part of the New York Studio School today. This episode profiles Brian Chippendale. Brian is a visual artist and musician and one of the founding members of Fort Thunder, the seminal but now defunct work-live performance venue in Providence, Rhode Island. He is the drummer and singer of the noise rock duo Lightning Bolt and performs solo as Black Puss. His visual art is an explosion of invented worlds and characters realized as comics, zines, screen prints, drawings, and paintings. In both his music and visual art, Brian organizes frenzied energy into powerful layers of information by filling entire spaces with action and gesture. To commemorate this episode, Brian and I made a very limited set of collaborative and unique prints. You can preview and purchase each print on the shop page at deepcolorpodcast.com. This conversation was recorded in front of a live audience at On Air Fest, a podcast festival held at the White Hotel in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. This is part one of a two-part episode. I think I'd like to start off by pointing out the, the wonderful awkwardness of this context. It's live. I typically don't do this live. I usually also talk to artists in their studios. I'm in a hotel that I've never slept in, probably never will. And I'm also in front of a live audience. Um, So there's a new twist to this. Brian, on the other hand, is used to performing through his music, but I wanted to sort sort of shout out that demon that this is a new environment for me. Um, and the Deep Color project really revolves around language. And I, and I usually have a little bit of like banter before we actually go and, and, and we haven't We really totally done that. bantered in the um, car on the way we over. We did, we did, but I wanted to do like a, a language exercise to kind of warm up. So what I, what I propose is, is I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read some phrases to you that I wrote. Some of them you wrote, and I just want your immediate response to it. Oh my God, I have to pick which ones I wrote. No, that. I'm just going to give you a few. Are you ready? Ready. Halloween lasagna. Howling lasagna? Halloween lasagna. <laughs> uh, Miyazaki. Howl's Moving Castle. Funfetti body grease. Funfetti body grease? B- yep. uh, bacon buried in a pit. Silent interlude. Oh my God. <laughs> now we can see eye to eye. <laughs> Best G.I. Joe issue. Snake Eyes goes solo in, in uh, issue 21. No words. It's the only issue that Larry Hama, who wrote the entire series for Marvel in the 80s, it's the only issue that he actually penciled the whole thing to. And it's like the best, one of the best comics ever. One of the best Marvel comics ever. 
Go to your store, pick it up. It's going to cost you a few bucks. I'm like looking at you guys, but I'm talking to the pod world. This one is uh, uh, something. Interlude. Yes, oh, something can we just like talk that about one? that for an hour? Yeah, right. Oh my god. Fog of possibility. That's that's your words. Silent interlude. Silent interlude. Extraterrestrial. Um, riding a bike, flying through the air. Extra testicle. There was a guy at RISD when I was there who was missing a testicle. I heard. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Urban legend. Yeah. Collegiate yeah. legend. Yeah. Well. I won't name his. <laughs> yeah. I almost am about to name him. It's so hard not to name him. Yeah. Um, another reoccurring thing that I do uh, with the Deep Color Project is talk about sort of our art identities. And we know that you're a musician. We know that you're a visual artist. When you're a musician, you, you have a few different bands you play in. Um, when I'm you're an art... Kind of playing one. Playing one, play one. Well, Lightning Boat and Black Puss. Yeah. You don't Black. call... Black. I mean, I call it a band, but it's okay. just me. It's just you. Um, the other members are like robots. and You also are a prolific visual artist. You make paintings, drawings, screen-printed work, books, zines, sculpture. Um, and I guess I, you know, I was on an airplane yesterday, and the guy next to me was looking over at me drawing, and like, what are you doing? You know, it was like, sort of like, so what's your deal? It, when you're on an airplane and someone sort of is like, who are you and what do you do? Do you have a response to that sort of... I don't, I don't do it anymore. You don't do it anymore. I don't draw on the airplane. I just watch the movies. Right. Um, I read a book. I guess I'm, what I'm trying to sort of tease out of you, though, <laughs> is are, is there a connection between all these different hats you wear? Well, like someone asked me what I do. What do I, yeah. what do I tell them? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fraught question, and I think artists wrestle with it. For good I, reason, but, last, last but for this I, context, I think it's good. To last time I was drawing on an ourselves. airplane, and someone asked me if I like, they were like, "Whoa, that's a great, you know, whatever." Yeah, that's a great drawing of a pizza. Um, <laughs> I like if I, if I have a book, one of my comics, I like give it to them, and then, and then that it kind of ends there. I don't know. We talk about whatever, right. but I, I usually don't. Not this isn't really answering your question, but then I don't tell them about other things that I do. Right. I just keep it topic specific or something. Do you feel like you package it so that they can understand it without getting upset or weirded out ever? Um, well, whenever someone says, can you repeat your solo band name? And I say, well, it's called Black Puss. I somehow try to package that in a way that's not as stupid and disgusting and yeah. Yeah. as it sounds, kind of. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, you know, I just, if someone asks me what I do, I just sort of say the same litany of things that, you know, you that rich said or yeah, you yeah. Know, that that I don't I don't try to I don't really have an umbrella that it fits under or just artist musician right I, just, I think it's nice to have I mean we're multi-dimensional people and it's nice to have a few different ways to walk through life and I'm just always curious when people do more than one thing you do a lot of things you do like four how we what, which one we choose to to like share with the person that we're just meeting yeah, I guess it depends on the context. I mean, I'm actually surprised when people meet. If like if someone's a likes one aspect of what I do, occasionally they're like surprised to find out that I do other stuff. And I guess I was, I always felt like they're when you see one, the others are like in the periphery, and you, so you would know them. But then some people don't. So it's it is interesting to find to like introduce 
other aspects of myself to someone who thinks I'm like just a drummer or right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know, but it's but at the same time, I have sometimes I feel like I have to explain myself because if I'm like at some comic book thing and they're like, "Wow, I love your new book!" Like you're the slowest comic book artist I've ever met. Like you put a book out every five years or something. Then I have to be like, "Well, I I actually do these other things." Like I I kind of wish I was just a comic book artist, but I'm not. Like the same way I wish certain heroes of mine, like like Gary Panner, puts out a book really you know, very infrequently. And I'm like, why won't he just draw comics when I myself won't just draw comics? Right, right. Or my friend Matt Brinkman, who I love his comics, and, you know, he'll just so rarely draws. He's like the best comic book artist ever and so rarely draws comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm like kind of just like a little aggravated by it. Right. Yet, again, I don't myself draw comics very fast. Right. I want to talk about creating worlds. I've always experienced your output as you're, you're kind of a world creator both in your music and in your art um, but it seems like you set up conditions in which to make your stuff I'm thinking of your studio space um, I'm thinking of Fort Thunder and it's these very busy full spaces that are dripping with objects and um, color and sometimes people uh, and, and I'm just wondering I mean, that feels like it's an, an important thing, like the space that you build around yourself in which to make your music and your visual art. Can you, can you sort of walk me through how you figure that out for yourself? Just setting up um, the environment around yourself? I mean, the most dripping place I ever lived in or worked in or whatever I did in there did, but uh, was Fort Thunder, which was our warehouse in Providence in the late 90s and like up until 2001. And I mean, at the time just coming out of school um there was like a horde of us kind of like like-minded people just wanting to make you know quote-unquote weird shit or have have like weird things go on like weird events and i mean i don't even know like what the word weird means but just like we were just we had a lot of electricity like a lot of energy a lot of desire to just I, it's hard to even say, and I, I don't like not be arty, but just like right. just like things came out in a certain colorful way. Um, and at the time, I feel like we would occasionally there'd be some sort of gallery interest in something. And at the time, I was so turned off. Like I, I really pictured galleries as this like it was like this it was like a graveyard, not even a graveyard. It was more like a. I mean. It, it's things that I don't quite relate to now. Like I, my perspective has changed, but at the time I was like the, the stuff we're doing here, it's like the greatest thing we could ever do. Like, why would we ever, like, why would you ever make a painting and go take it to some weird white walled room when you could like make a painting and live inside of it in your own house? Yeah. Layer it up on top of it. Yeah. Just like, and then the next, and then, you know, and then your friend could come over and like kick his foot through it. And then you could like, change that area to some new weird thing like it it felt it felt like basically the installation work like long-term installation work was the greatest of all forms because like you could go to sleep in it and wake up in it and like it would like seep into you you know it it's like when you start like you know you're really onto something when you're like you dream about it it's like you dream about it at night and you wake up and you're in it it's it's just so immersive yeah and i mean my perspective on that has changed and part of that is just like 
paying $140 for rent versus paying like, you know, I don't know how much <laughs> just in terms of like babysitting and it's just and yeah, the, rents the, the and the economics and about change when you, when, when, it just when changes. you move so, forward. Um, it was a lot easier to not have to worry about making any kind of money back then. And then sure, sure. when money became a bit of a thing in my life, like, oh, wow, we actually, you know, you have to pay for things. Like, you can't, you know, you can't steal everything off the grocery <laughs> yeah, store yeah, shelf yeah. or something. I, um, I realized that there was a use for galleries. And also, you can't invite everyone over to your house or something. I mean, it felt you, like... You were... Oh, yeah, well, yeah, but <laughs> for like the four years I was there. Yeah, no, we invited a lot of people over. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them, it was hard to get them back out. <laughs> but it just things change. And, I, and now I have like an understanding of, but I still sort of hate, I still sort of, like, I don't know. I, I feel a little gross having delved into these other like cleaner, more marketable worlds. But also like having gotten evicted a few times, it's just like, oh, wait, this installation, it's... yeah. It's actually fragile. Like I thought this was really powerful. Well, they see it seems incredibly important, these spaces. Um, yeah. I would argue that your current studio space, I, I know you just moved into one like six months ago, so you're still getting set up, but it's a It's already What I can pretty. see from, from peering in through this, the screen of our phone, um, through your social media, is some version of Well, I just what dragged was, the old shit with me. Yeah, but it's, it's not, I mean, you know, it's still dripping with things. Yeah. And no, I like to. This, this is like my pivot to like start working our way into the work you make because some of your visual art has those elements to it. It's almost like you're building the, the world in which you make this stuff winds up depicted in your art in some, whether it's through texture or. The, the way the characters are interacting with like these mannequins that you've dragged in off the street or you know, you, do you understand? Oh, absolutely. Does this yeah. make sense? Am I reaching? Well, no, not at all. I mean, and again, going back into early, I don't know, like older times, like I, I would be drawing stuff. I would be drawing, I was really into drawing comics. So I'd be like drawing comics and I would start drawing some like weird structure and I'd be like, oh, like this is just, I'm just being lazy. Like why would you draw a thing when you, you should actually make the thing real? Yeah. And so I would like, I just felt, it felt lazy to draw a thing or something. So then I would like make the thing. You wanted thing, to build you know? it. I would build it. So you could walk around it. Yeah, so you could it. be in it. And then, yep. you know, and then you could sit inside that and draw some other thing. Um, but it, it, I think we're like world building, going back to your world building thing. I mean, world building is kind of always, it has really been everything. I mean, I like, I'm a fan of like world building in, you know, in culture or literature or, like, I'm, I'm all about, I mean, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, whatever it's, whatever that even means. It's been pretty watered down, but yeah. just in, in, in general, like, creators who have just really delved into some universe. I mean, I, I'm like a comic book fan, and comic books, you know, like the big superhero stuff, like, they're totally stupid and silly, but at the same time, like, it's crazy how many people have just thrown their, they've, like, thrown their ideas into this world and like broad like everyone's trying to push the boundaries of these crazy worlds and I find I, I just think that's it's the best thing to try to really like expand a universe it just feels like yeah. the coolest thing you can yeah. do yeah I think that's one of your one of your great con contributions and, are and, these these worlds that you're making yeah and yeah. I do think that it for me I mean everyone goes a different way I, I feel like as I get older it does like the whole idea of like 
I want to enter into a white room with like a simple table and then like draw stuff that way. What would your stuff look like? I mean, well, that's the thing. It's like, I, like my new studio. I was like, I'm going to have a nice like zen area in the corner. But then immediately like stuff starts creeping in and then I start hanging stuff over my head. I, mean, I just, I can't. Yeah. No, this is a great example, I think, of like the, the, the things around us affect us in our work. And I, I mean, this is what you're describing. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun to work on the space. Like, it just feels weird. It feels unhealthy to be so obsessed with just like a certain square that you're working on or like a small square or a big square. It just feels like affecting the space around you is an important piece mm -hmm. of the kind of puzzle mm -hmm. and just making stuff and making mm -hmm. discoveries about stuff. And, mm -hmm. and even like, you know, you may think you're a cartoonist or you're a painter or something, but then you, you mess around in some part of the wall and suddenly you realize you're a sculptor and that like opens up a new. Yeah. Do, you, do you have rules when you're working? I mean, it sounds like you avoid boundaries. Like if, if you have an impulse to leave the two-dimensional and, and shift over to the three-dimensional, that, that doorway's always open. Or are there moments where you try and pull in? I mean, sometimes I think rules are good, or are you just sort of impulse go? No, I definitely have. I have constraints. I mean, I, I think it's like my, the biggest constraint I have is almost a time constraint. And, you know, we both, I mean, you have two kids, and now I now have one kid. And, um, and that's time is just a whole new crazy thing that you have to navigate. Like, it's really hard. I mean, I'm, just, I'm in the beginning of it. It's like, we're yeah, you're 16 in the months in. You're yeah, in the and it's just like, oh my God. Like, how do, you, how do you do this? Like, how do you, it's been a real hustle and like a grind trying to like stay creative and then leave space to like explore, you know, leave space to make mistakes. Like, you don't want to get into some weird situation where you like, there's no room for error or something. Like, I feel like as an art maker, it's really important. You have to experiment. Yeah. Or you, you know... Or you're just like a machine, or, or then you're just doing a nine to five, which is the right. whole, we're like running away from that. Right. Like, what about getting macro? Are there any sort of like, do you have any, any, I mean, we're sort of talking about problem solving around time. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have any tricks for doing that? Or even just in process in terms of. You just text that babysitter and you're like, please, <laughs> can you like stay a couple extra hours right. and kind of pay you next right. week. Well, I guess I'm I'm like I'm always curious to talk about artists about the like the little things that they do to incentivize getting to the end or to some place where you're comfortable to go home to put things down. One of the things I do is the thing I've been working on for the past 6 hours, I turn it upside down and if it still looks if it works upside down, then I'm on to something. I can go home. Is there anything mm. like that in your world? Wow, that's a great idea. I think I heard you say that in another podcast, and I turned something upside down <laughs> once. Just once. Yeah. But I just turned it face down. And I was like... Sometimes the back is better than the like front. A, that's another thing, It works man. great. There's nothing yeah. there. I'm just going to go yeah. home. Or just the scuffs that have been picked up from while you've been laboring on the top are more interesting than the... I think now... Just I mean, the peripheral moves. At this point in my life, just because our our child is such a bad sleeper <laughs> like i'm kind of psyched to go home because i'm like i can i like one like another chance to sleep yeah <laughs> it's actually a and then i mean and my wife and i um jung il hong who's also an artist and uh she um we have a, like a good like for time we let each other we only have one kid and he's little and so things are kind of in flex so it's just like can I just work late tonight? And she'll, yeah. I mean, so, but I don't have a whole lot of mechanisms. I mean, I tend to, I tend to end, I feel like I end my sessions with like 
if I'm working on a painting, like in the, like a year ago, I was working on a lot of paintings for the show at Safe Gallery. Yeah. And, um, and the way the arc of my day usually is like, I come in and things are going great and the day ends and it's a hopeless mess. <laughs> and I'm like, I should probably just give up, yeah. you know? And then, and then I, you know, I sleep on it and I come in, in the morning and then you see something and you're like, wait a minute. Like maybe you do turn it upside down or you do something or you just attack it or you end the night. You like make some drastic shit happen at the end of the night and then you just run out of there yeah. without judging it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, that's one thing I, that's something I actually do. I, sometimes I just like get really aggressive with it and then just like run for it. Try yeah. not to judge. It's an elusive thing when to like put things down. I, yeah. But when you're on the clock with like, you know, if, if, when, right. I mean, these days, right. if you have to go get your guy at, five your hand is forced yeah and and it takes 10 minutes like you got to leave it well i've i've written i mean sort of continuing on this sort of impulse and putting things down or the notion of improvising as you go i know improvisation is very important to your process both in music and in visual art um is is this sort of having to put things down getting in the way of your love for improvising oh god i mean having to put things down is it's a horrible thing. I mean, who wants to... <laughs> I mean, the only reason it's... I, I feel weird. It's just like, I'm so new in the kid world, so everything comes back to kid. Like, it's just... It's, he's, he's really changed the game. And, and if we were having this conversation, you know, two years ago, it's just be so different. I mean, right. I would work... I would, we would just... I would work. I just worked and worked and worked. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so it... it uh, it's a new, it's definitely a new thing and it and it was really painful at first to kind of be like like I can't get in the zone you know yeah. like you, you know it takes me 16 hours to get in the zone or whatever and you just kind of have to you just had to jump in there yeah well it's but figuring it, it's you got to figure out a new way to work yeah it's a new way to work yeah. and and it and it and it's not ideal i mean i think it's i that's just the the reality of it is that things are not ideal and, and I'll do the best I can. Sure. Well, I want to believe, though, that they will become ideal. I mean, I, I feel like I've talked well, to about you. Well, eventually I'll be able to put you, him to work. When, when you became a parent, we, we, we had a, a pretty cool conversation. And you asked me, like, how do you get this stuff done? Yeah. And for all you people out here that don't have kids, I'm sorry, but we're going to talk about this. Um, kid zone. Things normalize. I feel like I should be looking at out. you and I'm looking at him. And yeah. I feel bad about that. But you figure guys. it out. And, sure. and I think they become uh, like a real great tool and uh, almost like making a piece of music. You're, you're like directing this thing and, and like helping an intelligence form. And if, if there's a way to bring the way that you think about your music and your art into like developing this being, I think there's some really interesting crossover there. Well, it's yeah. alive. This thing's alive. That's a big right. difference. No, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, just the idea of improvisation. I mean, it's a crazy thing. Both get out and then get as deep as possible. And like clean it out. And it's just a whole mess of stuff. Yeah. It seems... I mean, I've been to shows in the mid-90s. And I, then I saw you play recently in Red Hook um, as Lightning Bolt with Brian Gibson. And it was a reminder for me of, of what it might look like and might feel like to be free you up there playing um do you feel free when you're up there i mean i mean i feel freer if i had a wireless head i'm like kind of have a cord that comes out of this fucking sock i have on my head but we'll get there um 
No, I feel, I mean, drumming is just, it's, I mean, I got lucky. Like I was, I mean, I was definitely like, like a physical kid and I did sports and stuff, but like I never was that, I couldn't get into the competition very well, but when I discovered drumming, it was really like a perfect fit. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, for me, there really is no, it's just, it's, I mean, it's so stupid too. I mean, you can make it complicated and maybe some people think I do, but I think it's actually just like really stupid stuff played fast. That seems complicated. Yeah. But it, um, it really is this great, if, if it lines up with, you know, your psyche or your personality or your body or whatever, it, it really is this great. It's such a primitive thing. It's like such an old thing. Yeah, it and seems me, like a, a very human impulse. And I mean, and, and I like start. sing now. It's like I sing too, which yeah. is, so I, it's like I'm hitting every. Right. And singing actually is more tiring than drumming at times. It's, it's less like other, because you're like. Well, that's like, the other layer. I mean, I feel like your work is, is, there's a lot of layers to your visual art and your music, but the, the vocals and um, the, the fact that you're singing while you're playing how you play drums is another sort of like. Mind bender. I don't, I'm not quite sure how you do that. Perfectly. Yeah. Singing perfectly. Well, you wide. brought it, you sort of referenced the, the sock puppet masks that you make. And what I think a lot of people don't, well, people that might be new to your work might not realize, but that is, is pure utility. That, that, those masks are holding the microphone. Every little stitch is pure utility. Well, you know what I mean, right? It's no, like, absolutely. It's holding it right there. I no, mean, it's also aesthetically incredible. I mean, you look like this, one of these creatures or characters you might draw in one of your, one of your comics. But um, I think people forget that, that that's, that's technically, yeah, a, you're, you're using it to hold the mic in place. Well, we both used to wear masks. Like the other Brian and the band were both named Brian. There's two of us. Um, he used to wear masks too. And at some point he was just like, I, I don't know why I'm wearing a mask. Like, I, I don't have anything in here. I'm not doing, it's like, you know, you're wearing a mask, but you're like singing in a microphone. And he's just like, I don't have any reason to wear a mask. I mean, he's a funny guy. Like, it could have been like, well, you're wearing a mask because masks are cool. <laughs> Or like, or we're a math band. But I was actually really happy. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like what band has like one guy who's committed <laughs> to this like aesthetic thing and then another guy is just not. Yeah. It's just the funniest. It really defines our band. Yeah. Like, this is what we're about. And he's like, nah. Yeah. I'm like, ah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you guys' energy is very different up there, which is great. That's like, I think, part of the brilliance it's, of it's it. It's really, I f still, I find it, it's like hilarious. Yeah. It really defines... Our band. Do you save all the masks you make? I yeah, I have every I have every mask. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, there haven't been that many. I've only maybe I've cycled through like eight or ten. One time, and believe me, I've considered <laughs> babysitting is expensive, and I have considered. <laughs> so, oh yeah, there's I mean, maybe this, some this, uh, income past, to be made. The past year and a half, it's been a it's a be, partially because yeah, I mean, lightning bolt. We, we, it's probably my, of all my, like, not that we need to get into the money, like financials of, although financials of our making is interesting, maybe to some people, but, um, I mean, touring is where we've, it's allowed me to like have a pretty chill life for like, like the whole, the whole reason that I've been able to draw like comic books and, you know, kind of somewhat weird, you know, idiosyncratic. God, I didn't even pronounce that right. Idiosyncratic. 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 Idiot. Syncratic. <laughs> Comics is because, um, because Lightning Bolt, you know, we can do a tour and then I can kind of cruise for months and just draw comics. And comics make me and most people very little money. But in the past year, we haven't toured. And so it's been like, oh, my God, I have to, like, figure out a whole new game right. plan. Right. 
And I do have these masks. <laughs> and there's, a, there's like five people that might pay. Well, at the very least, I them. think they could be. I'd go see an exhibit of those displayed. It'd be a pretty small exhibit. I feel like I feel like there's more than there's well, more there's, than ten. There's other masks. I mean, I've made all sorts of masks, but the, specifically the music playing mask. But there is a funny story. Um, I mean, sort of funny. So one of my masks got stolen once. There was this guy in London. It's, it's so, I know not to offend any British people out there. My dad's from England. I can talk about English people. <laughs> Man, you listen to the, you grew up listening to like the BBC and you're like, they're all so smart. <laughs> and then you go there <laughs> and you're like, wow. Dumber than us. <laughs> Some of these people, they're like, it's, you know, America, there's, there's competition for dumbest, dumbest country on the planet with America. There may be, you know, but anyway. So there's this guy, I remember, I remembered him like years ago coming up to me after a show and being like, <laughs> I feel like, dude, and with a British accent, the equivalent of like bro American talk, dude, I'll trade you my baseball hat for your mask or some crap like that. And I was like. Was he a fan? Well, I, yeah, I mean, he was in the front row like oh, okay, singing okay, along, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was an idiot, you know, it's just total idiot. But I, yeah, I guess he was a fan or he was like a lunatic. And I was like, ah, that's, a, that's all right. Yeah. And so, and then he disappeared. And then, like, four years later, we went back, and, like, he was there again. And he, I think he wanted to trade, like, you know, a T-shirt for my mask. And I was like, dude, I, I spend, like, you know, hours and hours and hours making this, and I also use it every night. We're on tour. Like, I'm not going to trade your, you know, Nike T-shirt for this <laughs> mask or whatever. And then that night, one of the, the second time I ran into this guy, I, like, we played... And I'm so used to, like, we've always played in the, like, or historically in the audience, and it's like, we're all friends or whatever. And so I, like, take off my mask, and, and I usually, like, throw my mask and my sticks and my pedals just behind our stuff yeah. as, like, a small line of defense against someone stealing something. Because no one's ever really stolen something. And then that night, it was, like, in the basement in London. I forget what it was called, but the mask was gone. Like, the, the mask has a microphone in it that goes, there's, like, a pocket. You have to take a minute to, like, get it in, like, feed yeah. it in. yeah. Um, somebody had come and just ripped the mask off. So the mic, was, like the ripped the wires. The mic was just on the ground back there, and the mask was gone. And um, and it, you know, I was just like, it didn't take long to be like, I bet it was that dude. And so, but it was gone. Um, so I had to like, I kind of like for the rest of the tour, like sewed a new thing. But I talked to like people at like the people we stayed with. We like watched some footage. Somehow there was footage because this was kind of pre cell phone footage. I forget. Maybe there there was something. This, sorry, this is going to take about two hours for this story. <laughs> but I'll wrap it up fairly quick. We figured out who it was. Um, and then two years later, the mask came back to me. Like, so, so they figured out who it was. They figured out who, like, they, they realized they knew the kid's brother or whatever. When you say they, that's like the venue like my management or something? And, Your it, friends it, over there. It was okay. like back, it was like kids that we worked with at the time. It was, I mean, we worked more with, we worked less with kids throwing shows in basements yeah. than we used to, but we used to, it used to be all that. And so, like, the people, you know, the friends who were put on the show figured out who the kid was, talked to, or the guy, talked to his brother. At some point, his brother, like, went into his room. The mask was hanging on the wall. The brother grabbed the mask. The kid came home at the same time. Like, they wrestled over it. The mask got ripped in half or, like, partially ripped in half. Um, but the brother got it out of the room and then, like, got it to the friend. And then the friend, like, literally didn't mail it. Like, the next time she came to America, she brought it with her on the plane, went to some, like, like some kind of fest. And then the Load Records people who put out our records from Providence were at this thing, yeah. handed it to them. They brought it back to me like a mask with a rip and I was just like I just smiled and I just like 
put it on a shelf. I didn't use it. Right. It was done. I had right. like three new ones by then, but I just reclaimed it, you know, and just like put it away. Yeah. So that was the one time. One, it got back to you though. Yeah. So and then good. other times, like I left it on a dude's radiator once because like it becomes disgusting every night. So I have to wash, I wash it. We, yeah. I take a shower with all my stuff and I left it on some dude's radiator. I mean, it's, those, they've traveled around, but I have them all. Right. Did that just fill the rest of the time? No, no, we're good. Good, we're good, we're good. More so, math stories. So I, I'm a believer that um, the work we make is, is the sum of, of many moving people and parts behind it. Uh, yes, we're the sole creators, but I think without the help or the experiences that we have behind us, um, this stuff couldn't exist. So I'm curious, uh, on, under these terms, who, who you might... Who your work is indebted to, who or what. Maybe it's an experience, maybe it's a person. I need to thank the Thundercats and He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I need a G.I. Joe. Yeah, I mean, Smurfs. You, youthful ephemera. It really hit me hard. And I hate to be, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I try not to like wholly <laughs> reference the 80s constantly. Yeah. But um, Saturday morning cartoons and like post-school just hit me so hard. You know, and it's interesting. I don't know if I'm really answering your question. I mean, I, you know, my parents, uh, thanks, Mom. But right. my mom wouldn't even let me drum in the house. So it's not like right. I'm not going to thank her a ton. Right. They're, they're great. I love them. We have a great relationship. But it's interesting finding. So now with the kid, to get back to kid stuff, like my parents kept all this Fisher-Price little people stuff, which is like Fisher-Price has like different scales of there's like the little people and then there's the adventure people who are a little bigger, like G.I. Joe guy size. Um, so they kept a bunch of it, and I went and picked up the castle. It's like the Fisher-Price Little People Castle. Yeah. And we brought it back. And, um, and I realized that, like, that toy had a huge impression on me. So it's this castle, and it has, a, like, a, you drop people down this. There's, like, a swinging door in the top of it. And, like, you drop people down into this dungeon where there's, like, a little, you know, you lift up, like, a, it's all plastic, but it's, like, a little barred gate thing with these, the people just pile up. You just stuff them in through the trap door. And then the stairway moves, and you can hide people behind the stairway. And then there's one other sliding door that goes in this like kind of secret room in the basement. So yeah. it's like a house of like secret rooms. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this toy informed my whole life. Like, <laughs> like Fort Thunder for us, which is sort of... It Some was version just, of that, it sounds like. Yeah, no, it was like we had secret rooms. It was all about secret rooms and like crazy tunnels and like, you know, just... just, just Secret rooms, secrets, yeah. and mysteries, and 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 um, clubhouses, and all this stuff. And I, it almost, I was just like, this is the toy that changed, like, changed my life. This Fisher go. Price castle. And so I'm just like, come on, kid, play with it, play with the toy. <laughs> you got to. And I mean, and he does. He comes out every every morning. I set up all the guys around the castle, and every morning he comes out and he stuffs every guy in the dungeon. And there then he's done. There the work go. is done. I just I hope he moves past that. Yeah. That just might end him. He might be like a, like a police officer, <laughs> which is a fine, you know, well, no, whatever. We won't get into that conversation. That's deep conversation. Yeah. But, but, you know, we're just like a jailer. Dismantle the in industrial prison system. I yeah, hope. maybe. Yeah. Maybe he'll start taking it apart with screwdrivers. Yeah. Sure. Currently, he's just full on destroyer and in prisoner. To balance out the indebted question, I, I haven't asked this in a while, um, but someone asked me during a studio visit and, and this question sort of like haunts me but it's who do you want to kill and I and I and I, I mean, asked that not in like a like a not in like a 
this person is evil. I want to kill them. But, but if we you want to kill them arrested, because you right? love whatever they do so much oh. that you want to occupy their space. That's one way to look at it. The other, other way that the, this question has been explained to me is someone has said that they want, they love skateboarding so much they want it to die. As in the masses are destroying this thing. So I feel like you could, you could right. toggle, you could go down either path with Man, that. Man, if you put that in the prompts, I definitely didn't get that far reading them. But, <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I feel like an asshole to say it, but there's no space I'd rather occupy, really. I mean, I wish this space I occupied did have a little more time. Yep. But who, I mean, that's, that's, I'd rather kill someone I hated, and there's, there's plenty of, there's a handful of those people. What yeah. kills, that's tough. Maybe drop them into a dungeon, a plastic dungeon. There you go. Um, what about? But he might be on yeah. his way there anyway. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've met some of my heroes, and they're just, you know, like I met Thurston Moore, and I met, I don't know, who else did I meet? I met Thurston Moore a couple times. <laughs> um, you know, we, we were, I feel like I got really, I've been really lucky, and, and it's allowed me to be, like, fairly arrogant in certain ways. I'm pretty sad. I'm, I'm, I don't want, yeah, I don't, I don't want any, there's some people I wouldn't mind killing them and occupying their house there you go like maybe that kind of yeah. space i'd i'd be psyched if i had a big house and yeah. i owned some of these things that i like or my mill space so i could actually right. the dripping people that i have hanging around those rafters w- could like be mine right they'd stay i want to pivot towards what was the other half there was another half of that question well it was like i just was sort of presenting two ways to approach the question i want to meet billy idol I don't want to kill him, but I want to meet Billy uh, Idol. Billy Idol. Can you arrange that? Uh, we'll talk to Rich later. Um, Can you arrange no problem. that? problem. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, being committed and courage and bravery. Because I think pursuing this life and building these worlds that you've built and, and chasing this, the, these, these art dreams that we have. Chasing I mean, rainbows. that sounds so cheesy to say, but it takes a certain amount of commitment and it takes a certain amount of courage. And let me quantify that. Like, we're not Syrian refugees. That's, I mean, right. there's some bravery involved there and, some, and, and like the people involved with that. But on this scale that we're talking about, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible that you're, that you, you're still walking this, this path that you're sort of building in front of yourself. Um, can you talk about like that choice? I mean, it's clearly a choice you've made is it a choice it seems like it <laughs> i feel i feel like i could contradict you though maybe do it do it. i mean is it maybe it's just fear i you know what i mean what other choice do i have i'm good at the drums <laughs> i i um i'm an okay drawer yeah. you know or something and um and occasionally people like my paintings but but uh, there's so much vulnerability in this stuff i mean getting up I on know, stage man, in, in front of people Putting art out in the world, we're like setting ourselves up for so much un- sometimes unwanted feedback, and Absolutely. but we keep doing it, right? You keep yeah. going out there, you keep doing it because you, because why? I mean, the good thing about again, as drums as the ultimate heal all. Like, if someone says you, if you're like a, if you're a drummer that, if your focus is like energy, you know, I mean, my focus for everything is like energy. Like, I really, it's more about that. It's like it's like bringing it in and then just trying to blow it back out like maybe even multiplying it and then blowing it back out and if that's your thing and someone tells you you suck but your goal is to get like i don't know it's like 
I guess if that crushes you, then that's bad. But if, if, if your whole thing is that like translating maybe bad vibes to good vibes is your thing, which I sort of is my thing. Yeah. It's kind of wonderful to have people tell me I suck or that, you know, it's sort of like if you, if you tell, if I'm drumming and you tell me I suck, like I'm going to drum even harder. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I, I kind of feel like I, I actually feel like I don't, it's like I was a dishwasher, you know, I've done a bunch of jobs. It's been a while since I've had to do crap. Luckily, again, that I haven't wanted. Although these days, it's getting close because, again, the expenses are through the roof. But, like, man, dishwashing, it was so much harder. Best job ever. Oh, sorry. No. Go ahead. What would you say? I really love dishwashing, actually. You do? No, dishwashing for yourself is great. It's super, it's nice. As an occupation, even. But, like, working in a restaurant, washing dishes, like, it's so much harder than driving eight hours, barely getting any sleep, like, setting your shit up. And like playing a bunch of weird songs, to, it's just or to nobody. I don't know. It's I I can't like get like showing up for a job doing. I just I don't know. I can't do it. I can't do it. So for me, it's literally like like I've there's there's like a path I can be on, and and, it, and if if I can't be on it, like I honestly things might really go bad for me. Yeah. Um, we've we've got a few minutes left, but I want to I want to um, hear about. A dream project that you'd love to realize. Dream project that yeah. I'd love to realize. It's funny. My dreams are so small these days. It's just like I just want to finish like a little zine or something. <laughs> just want to. I don't, I don't actually have any big dream. Well, right now my dreams are little. Like I have a lot of recordings I want to like filter through to put out a record. Like I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I had dreams two years ago I don't remember the dreams I just, <laughs> I just it's just little not little things I did have some weird dreams last night though yeah. maybe because I slept on someone else's floor and, yeah. and the little guy actually slept he only woke up twice in the night versus four times what about stuff that's coming out I know you're, you're going on tour soon no? yeah for the f- really for the first time I'll be away from him for more than two nights we're doing like two it's like 13 day trips as Lightning Bolt or Black Puss? Lightning Bolt okay so that's coming up in the next couple months. Like next month we do, or the end of this month, oh my God, in a couple of weeks, we're going away for like two weeks roughly. And then, and then about a month later we go away for two weeks. Are you playing in New York anywhere? Um, no. Maybe? Well, then I will not see you. Can't play. remember. Oh my God, I should probably figure, no, I don't think we are. We just played New York. Okay. Um, well, I can't I, believe I don't have any dreams. It's literally just like we're trying to buy a house. Yeah. It's so pragmatic right now. Yeah. No, that's sometimes that's where we land. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But um I should have said this at the beginning, but I'm going to sort of say at the end that I think your 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 the stuff that you make, whether it's your sound or your art, sort of transcends category for me. I mean, your 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 music is hard and heavy, but it also has this fantasy softness to it, which is it's really a, a weird liquid fluidity between things for me as a as a um, consumer of of the music and a listener and a fan. But your your visual art does that too. It's sort of you know it's like sort of how we started. It's this world creation, and it's such a great place to be in. Um, and I know for me, as someone who encountered you in the mid '90s um, in Fort Thunder, it was a transformative experience for for a kid that came from small town New Hampshire to this thing that was Fort Thunder it, it like cracked me open in such an important way Ditto. So, so I think 
I think it, I, I want to salute your, con your cultural contributions here for, for everyone to, to uh, appreciate. So uh, don't, don't stop making the stuff. Yeah, to that I say, yeah, if I stopped making stuff, I'd probably, you know, well, I won't say what would happen. I, I, I'll figure it out. i figure yeah, it yeah. out. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brian. This yeah, well, fun. thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah. You're thanks, listening. Oh, thanks. Thanks to the On Air Fest. Oh, shucks. Great. The outro music you just heard is an amazing new song titled All Fucked Up by Brian performing as Black Puss. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about each contributing artist, access the archive of past recordings, and preview and purchase a collaborative print that Brian and I made by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also download an MP3 file of All Fucked Up in its entirety. Remember to share this project within your community and rate and review in the Apple Podcast directory or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and check back soon for a new episode.